I think I had around a spyglass. I had around a spyglass. I think I had 22 putts. And um, granted, I missed a couple greens real close, you know, so I was putting from off the green and they're not counted as a putt. So maybe it was like 27, 28 putts um, from the ones included off the green. But point being that I just get so confident with the thing and I just start, when I'm on, I just start making everything. Put another log on the fire. Nobody here is getting tired. Welcome to the fire pit with Matt Janella. In part two of this podcast series on the relevance and rise of lab golf, we told Bill Pressey's story, the man who took to his garage in 2012 and used a modified cane and then ultimately a crutch to invent his revealer. That invention leads Pressey to the technology he implemented into his first version of the directed force putter, which actually did what face balance and toe hang putters claim to do. Pressy received the patent to what was the directed force putter in 2014 and sold his odd-looking invention out of the trunk of his car. Pressy had just enough traction to start a business, but not enough marketing skills or manufacturing efficiency to be sustainable. When the company was on the brink, Pressy got connected to Sam Hahn in 2017, who, in addition to his dad and brother, bought a chunk of the business in 2018. Han says that from his perspective, there were four magic moments that led to the success of lab golf. The putter Lucas Glover used to win back-to-back -back PGA tour events in August of 2023, which is ultimately where this series will end. The first of those four magic moments was when Han's directed force putter broke and Bob Duncan put him in touch with Pressy. Not long after buying into the company, Han relocated the home office from Reno, Nevada to Eugene, Oregon which is where Han was living. And although he was an avid and scratch golfer, he was new to the golf industry. This is where we resume the narrative. Here's Sam Han. Damn, dude. I mean, we, it was just school of hard knocks. I mean, just every, I had to learn everything about what we were doing. I would say now in retrospect, um, one of the absolute best things we had going for us was the fact that I didn't have any idea how the golf industry worked. Um, and this allowed me to keep an open mind on every facet of the business. The putter is different. It works differently. You have to tell the story differently. You use it differently. Um, and consequently, the way that you manufacture and market and fulfill is different. It has to be. And if I was a golf industry guy, it just, it, it wouldn't have worked. And early on, and I learned that, I learned that really early. Um, we, you know, so we're putting together a business plan and figuring out how we're going to do this and how we're going to spread the word and what's going to go on. And we hired a fella, um, uh, wonderful man. His name is, uh, Charlie Gerber. And he used to be the, the sales rep from Mira North America. And, um, Charlie was sweet as can be. And, um, he was tasked with putting together a sales force. So he hired 15, 20 different independent reps around the country. Um, and to no fault of his own, uh, it just didn't work. You know, he's got these, the guys that were hiring, you know, there wasn't enough margin for us to, to really make this their only gig. And so the guys that we're working with are selling gloves and balls and shoes and a four to $700 custom putter. And it just, it just wasn't working. And yeah. Can I ask you real quick? So at the time that you buy the company, 
how many how many of these putters were being sold a, a year virtually none i mean we had they had there so 20 i want to say 20 putters would they did they sell 100 putters times 400 or like like what you know like was it a thousand putters i would say i would say that the day we bought the company i would be very surprised if there was a thousand putters out in the world and probably closer to four or five hundred pressy thinks there might have been a little more but regardless and relatively speaking there was nowhere to go but up or go out of business what was at the top of the priority in your mind like what did you need to do to try to make this successful branding and tour presence so um the first one was branding so i did have i'm a good consumer like i i uh in the sense that like i'm an educated consumer i i um am both clear on on the the technology that i'm buying i look into it i look for validation of it um so i already had that um but you were doing a lot of obviously because you're going through a lot of putters so like you are the consumer exactly so i'm using some of what was a turnoff there were so many turnoffs about this putter when i got it so many you know i like i i hated this grip this rubber oval grip i couldn't stand it i actually love it now but um uh i hated um i hated the anodizing like the finish on this putter was just so cheap looking like it just it just it looks like a fucking infomercial product you know and then this logo was so bad um and bill's probably gonna listen to this and he's gonna be mad at me but i love you bill but you know your logo sucked bro and um and there was just and, and then the company was called directed force at the time like that's a fucking mouthful for a company like it was just it, it, it was so so a lot of, so branding 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 i mean we we that was a huge thing um day one we rebranded the company uh lab Lionel balance that was bill's call that was uh, uh, as i understand it what he wanted to call the company in the first place um and then we needed a logo and uh took forever with these guys in Colorado that were just not not handing us anything particularly creative and it was actually my my mom uh one day was like well putter is a really interesting shape why not just make it the putter so we tried a couple of iterations of just like the straight silhouette of the putter um and then I ended up drawing this you know this one here on a napkin um and that became the logo so when I first drew it um it didn't have the notch it just kind of looked like a heart with the the tip cut off um and we had been like three months deep into finding a logo i drew this thing on a napkin had some guys actually put it you know make it real sent it to bill we're like fuck yeah we did it thank the lord jesus the logo conversation is over this thing is incredible it looks good it's sexy it's awesome and we're so excited the next day um uh shit i gotta back up a second about two weeks into owning the company, um, somebody sends me an Instagram post uh, that Kelly Slater had made, the surfer, um, that he had made about uh, this crazy new putter that he found at Carlsbad Golf Center. So we reached out to Kelly um, and you know said, you know, I introduced myself. I'm like, hey, I'm the new owner of the company and uh, saw that you're using the putter. Let me know if there's ever anything you need. Kelly and I hit it off. We start texting. We're talking putters and we become golf nerd buddies and yada, yada. Kelly Slater is the greatest surfer of all time. Very commonly referred to as the GOAT, Slater has 11 world championships. He won his first in 1992, his last in 2011. 
The next best in surfing is Mark Richards, who has five, and he got all of his before 1983. Simply put, Slater is the secretariat of his sport. And if there are no waves, he plays golf. Not surprisingly, he's very good at it. A scratch, if not better, and a regular at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Through a love of golf and surfing, Slater is friends with Adam Scott. What was your first introduction to this, this, this putter and this technology? Yeah, so the first time I saw a lab, I was playing a golf course called Red Stick in Florida. And um, actually, I think the guy runs it used to work at Augusta, but he moved down there to, to work at Red Stick. Uh, really good course, great greens. I was uh, just playing with a buddy of mine, Bill, who I play with a lot, an old surfer friend of mine. And he, we were paired up with a guy that he plays with sometimes, just a casual game. And this guy had the directed force um, lab, lab uh, putter. And um, like everyone else, I said same thing, like, what's that thing, you know, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. Like, I'm pretty into if something works, it works. I don't care what it looks like. I've played some goofy clubs over the years just because they're funny. And, um, uh, you know, just to give you an idea, I, I used to have this, I'm, I'm a real Mo Norman geek. And, um, I used to have this, this, uh, sandwich that kind of looked like the alien that Mo used to play with. And it had a giant bounce on it. Um, I think it had about 12 or 15 degrees of bounce and a big sole on the bottom of the club. And, uh, funny story. I was in, I was on the Big Island Planet Kukio where I, I many years ago was a member and Adam was out there and uh, I said, just hit this club out of the sand. And he hit three balls to about a foot out of the sand. And he goes, is this thing legal? I said, yeah, I guess so. So anyways, I've always been open-minded to these alternative sort of looking and, and uh, feeling clubs. And uh, so I'm, I'm playing with this guy. We get around the front nine. This guy's making all sorts of putts or at least scaring the hole. And, uh, we get on about the 12th hole and I said, you know, let me just take a couple strokes of that thing. And I, I drained three putts for about 10, 12 feet. And I was just sold immediately. It just rolled end over end. It set up pretty perfectly for me. It was probably an inch long and maybe a little too flat of a lie, but I, you know, I just set it right and, and uh, to see how the ball would roll. And um, it felt amazing. So a week later I went to, I was out here in California and I went to Carlsbad Golf Center where they did a, they, they were like one of the official fitters. So I went there and messed around with the fit club for a while and, you know, just set my line length and ordered one and waited a couple months. And uh, to be honest, I was like so antsy to get it. I was sending emails kind of egging them on, like, how long till this thing will be done? Like, really want to get it. They sent it to Hawaii, uh, out to Hawaii for me. And the, first week I had it, I went over to McKenna and I was playing with Tommy Armour. And in the first round, Tommy goes, don't ever take that thing out of the bag. You're rolling. It's so good. And it was just end over end. And um, I've just been a believer since day one. And the first time I tried that guy's putter until I got mine. And when I got mine, my confidence in my putting just went through the roof. And um, I feel, I honestly feel like I hardly have to practice and I putt really well. More with Kelly Slater in a bit, but for now, back to Sam Hahn on the new logo. Or so he thought. Bill was like a huge Kelly Slater fan. So just tuck that away for a second. So the next day after I give him this logo, um, he calls me up. He's like, stop the presses. Can't use this as a logo. And I'm like, 
why what's the deal he's like i just played a a charity scramble with some buddies i showed it to them and they all think that the top piece looks like a ball sack and i'm like dude your fucking friends are weirdos it does not look like a ball sack it's fine and he's like dude i am saying we are not using this logo it looks like a ball sack i don't want to be the ball sack putter company it's not happening and i'm like dude settle down your guys are drunk you guys are being silly it's not a thing and he's like no i'm like yes and i'm like all right let's each do our own little focus group here um you pick six guys to go send it to and ask them what their first reaction is i'll pick six guys that i send it to and ask them what their first reaction to is and i'm like i'm gonna send it to kelly because joe you know bill's big kelly fan as long as kelly signs off on it will be really good so i text kelly i'm like you know what do you think of this logo he's like Dude, it's actually a really, really cool logo, but if I'm totally honest, men kind of suck and all they're going to see is a ball sack and they're just going to make jokes about the ball sack. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, fuck! God damn it! Uh, Back to the drawing board. And, uh, you know, just a couple subtle tweaks made it, you know, much, much less testicular and much more um, putter oriented. But I do love that story a lot where I was just so positive that it was a non thing and Slater just validated completely that Bill was absolutely right. And the thing looked like a ball sack. On that note, and before I go any further, I just want to thank Dormy Workshop for their sponsorship of this podcast. As you know by now, the Canadian-based company only makes handmade leather goods such as custom head covers and accessories. The Bishop Brothers are good golfers, great friends, and we're lucky to have them putting our logo on their products, all available at firepitcollective.com. For their complete collection of originals, head covers, and classics, go to dormyworkshop.com and use promo code FIREPIT15 for 15% off your next purchase. Back to Sam Hahn in his office at Emerald Valley Golf Club in Cresswell, Oregon, home of the Oregon Ducks. And now comes lucky break number two. Um, you know, you had asked what what did I think that we needed to do in order to get this thing moving? So it was branding for sure. Um, uh, the next piece was presence, tour presence. Um, we had no professional tour players and that, that, that was in my mind, like I was almost thinking of this as a flip when I bought the company. Like I wasn't really thinking about growing into this crazy behemoth of a company. Um, I was thinking that we were going to get out on tour and that somebody was going to grab the putter and go win a major championship. And somebody, you know, one of the major OEMs is going to call us up and, you know, license the tech or buy us out completely or something. So first step is we got to get out on tour. So I call up the tour and I find out what's the process in um, getting a credential so that we could be out on the green. And uh, they're like, well, you either need a specific invitation from a player um, or your putter has to have been used in enough tournaments that it qualifies for a credential. Um, And I'm like, well, I don't have an invite from a player. And how am I going to get a putter to use it if I can't get out on or player to use it if I can't get out on tour? They're like, well, tough shit. Like, fuck. So I'm like, how does it work? You know, like, how do you know if a player is using it or whatever? And they tell me about the Daryl survey, which I didn't know anything about at the time. But, you know, it's a company that, you know, basically tracks every single thing that's in everybody's bag. And the woman on the other end of the phone was just like, just out of curiosity, what's the name of the company? And so I told her it was directed force. She plugs it into the system and she's like, oh, actually, you guys qualify. You guys have had, you know, 11 plays. And I'm like, huh? Um, Tim Wilkinson, a left-handed New Zealand Germany journeyman, uh, New Zealander journeyman, uh, had bought the putter 
in New Zealand. Like somehow a lefty version of this putter ended up in Bumblefuck, New Zealand. Random journeyman tour pro picks it up, likes it, uses it for 11 events on the nationwide tour at the time. Um, and we got a tour credential like day one. So um, talk about your lucky breaks. I have no, you know, you can't write that shit. That, um, otherwise, I would have no idea how we ever would have gotten out there. It never would have happened. Meet Tim Wilkinson. As Han describes, he's a 45-year-old lefty tour player from New Zealand. He turned pro in 2003, and although he has no wins, he has three top five finishes on the PGA Tour, and he has amassed $5.3 million in career earnings. Anyway, so 2017, I believe I was playing the Corn Ferry Tour, and I think I'd miss, probably missed a couple of cuts, and I got to Utah maybe on the Saturday. I was staying with a friend of mine in Park City, and I, I just found a golf course nearby. I, I don't even remember the name of it now, but, um, yeah, I found a golf course nearby, and Went in the pro shop, asked the pro, as he normally do. I asked the pro if would he mind if I did some chipping and putting and hit some balls on the driving range. And while I was in there, you know, I always go and have a look at the putters that they have on the rack. So I went in there and I asked him about this particular putter that was kind of nothing that I'd ever seen before. And he showed me, um, you know, I just asked him, because it, it was one of the um, uh Fitting putters, so the the net could bend all you know from right hand to left hand, and it could be set at any lie angle. So I'd ask him if he could set it up at I don't know sixty nine degree lie, and and what and it's it, it was zero loft at the time, I think. So I asked him if he could just set it up at left hand at sixty eight, and I had a few putts with it, and he showed me this um, the revealer, which is the rack that you put the putter in, and you can just swing it, and the face is so square, and it all made sense to me. So I asked him, you know, who makes it and where do you get it from? And and Bill was actually in Utah, I believe. And so I called him on the next day or maybe even that afternoon or maybe it might have been 10 minutes later. I, I don't exactly remember, but he came out to um, San Francisco the following week and fitted me, brought a whole lot of putters and, and got me fitted into one. So I started using it from there. And I, I think I... Did I get my? I can't remember if I got my PJ Tour card that year or not. And I, I remember, I, I know I one hundred percent used it. The I think the Wyndham Championship was the first PJ Tour event I used it at. And I, I, I remember shooting sixty two in the second or third round, but I'm not. I'd have to go back and have a look at some of the numbers from that point. But yeah, it was just out of the blue, and I saw the putter and and the revealer, and it just it made sense and. Um, yeah, I guess I'd been using it for eight or ten events, and when they'd asked for PJ Tour credentials, and um, yeah, kind of went from there. And now, lots of guys are having a lot of success. So it's a, it's a pretty good story. In 2017, the ten events leading into the Wyndham Championship, which is when Wilkinson put the putter in the bag, he had missed seven cuts and had only broken 73 times. At Wyndham, he shot rounds of 63, 70, 68, and 67 for a T14, which tied for his best finish of his year, and the 63 tied his lowest round of the year. That week, he was 44th in strokes gained putting, 4th in total putts. Does it feel good to know that, you know, 
as Sam was looking to try to get it in the hands of more tour pros and looking to sort of figure out how he could get a tour credential, that it was you that popped up and had been using it and ultimately got him the access he needed to 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 take this company to where 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 it's going now. Yeah, probably one of the most unlikely, you know, left hander from New Zealand. Yeah. You would think you'd get the 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 putter in the hands of a you know right-handed probably American player, really, to be to be honest. Um but for me just to come across the putter in a pro, a pro shop and just be intrigued with it. And and you know, like just to shave fractions of shots off your score is huge in professional golf, as you know. Um yeah, and to be kind of I guess at the forefront of I guess taking a chance on a different putter, you know, in the past many people haven't wanted to take a chance on a crazy looking grip that's a forward press grip and yeah, like a what do you call it, a cattle prod looking putter. But um the science behind it was amazing and I felt like I could just kind of aim and hit um, with it. And then, you know, the conversations I had after that, the, the, the original director force was really big. And I said, I said, the only thing I think you need to do is add just a touch of loft and, and bring down the, the footprint of the putter. And I think more guys would use it. And it took a while, but you know, that, that happened. So Han has the credential that gets him access to practice putting greens and thus the people who are the gateway to validation and success seems simple and straightforward but was it the first the very first tour event i went to um was a corn ferry event um in chicago and at ivanhoe and um uh and i was really lucky that i had no idea about rep culture or how it works out there which gave me the luxury of being very aggressive, doing shit that now I understand is completely inappropriate. Um, walking right up to players, uh, my 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 pickup line, if you will, was like, "Hey, want to see a magic trick?" And then I'd show them the revealer and stick their putter in there and make it look like a you know fish on a hook, and then show them my putter, and they're like, "Fuck!" And uh, so they grab a you know got got a. I don't remember if I actually got any in play at Ivanhoe that week, but I certainly got a few guys to take it um made some friends learned a little bit um actually met gear and rife that week who was uh you know rep and even role and um uh he kind of at the time you know took me under his wing a little bit and showed me the ropes and uh you know how it all works and um so that was a lot of fun uh that's 28 would you say that's 2018 that's the summer of 2018 okay. and um and so i knew that i needed to open up accounts so that was so I lived in Eugene. My folks were still living in Chicago. Um, so I decided to just go home and spend June in Chicago because there's like, there's no golf in Oregon. Like it's just not a thing. And in the golf that is here is very, very, uh, nobody out here is buying a, a $600 custom putter. Have fun at Ivanhoe. Next week I go to the champions tour and this is where shit gets really fun. Um, because the champions tour guys are a fucking blast. Like, I really don't like doing tour events anymore. Um, I'll totally go do a champions tour event anytime. These guys are, you know, there's five guys out there that take it seriously. The rest of them are drinking Bloody Marys and having telling stories and talking shit and having a good time. And I totally agree. 
I tell everybody I've been a part of the pure insurance event at Pebble every year for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. Those are my guys. They're my generation. They're the ones who I've covered since the beginning of Sports Illustrated and Digest. And I couldn't agree more. Like I love, I love all those guys. Even the guys who were prickly dicks and asses. And, you know, back in the day, they're all like super cool and fun and friendly. Totally. And like they've started wine labels and they're into cool shit and travel and they're like they're 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 grandparents now. They're like they they're like they're so much fun. I love totally. them. They're, they're the happiest they've ever been. They're living the dream. The money's them. been made. The, the the things are taken care of. They're um, it is just so much fun. So I go out to this Champions Tour event, um, and you know, in addition to it being pretty chill out there, like from a putting standpoint, like eighty percent of that tour's got the yips bad. So they're they're down to try anything, and so. <laughs> So I come out to that event um, and the the inventory that I inherited was nil. Like we had a handful of putters. We were actually out of head covers. I didn't know that. You know, I didn't, didn't even occur to me to ask what the head cover inventory was. And like, you can't not have a head cover for this fucking thing. It's huge. It's going to, you know, kill somebody. And um, so I show up with a, with a pink Sunday bag, about six of these putters with socks over them um at the champions tour event <laughs> and uh um and like the guys loved it like they absolutely loved it and they're all trying it and they're all checking it out and um i i want to say i had four or five putters in play that week guys going out on into tournaments with socks on the putters and um because there's no head cover that fits on it not even a fucking driver head cover fits on it it's so big um and i had so much fun and got so excited um and the first real exciting exciting kind of anything that happened on tv uh jeff sluman picked up the putter at that event um and he ended up uh using it for quite a while i think i want to say he used it for at least a few months um and led the senior british later that summer through two rounds and was making bombs and he had a blue one and so everybody saw it. Everybody was like, what the hell is this blue branding iron thing that Jeff Sluman's using? And yeah, we got some fun pictures and that, you know, really felt like things were going to happen fast um, at that point. It really, really did. Here's Jeff Sluman, one of the true gentlemen in men's professional golf. He won the 1988 PGA Championship at Oak Tree Golf Club in Edmond, Oklahoma. He's a six-time winner on the PGA Tour and a six-time winner on the PGA Tour Champions. Do you yeah. remember directed force or how did you get this putter in your hands and 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 because i know it was kind of a bit of a a monstrosity at that time well um if i'm recollecting um correctly it was at our senior players championship in chicago does that sound right yep um they were on the putting green the 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 champion store is a little more lax about it <laughs> You know, uh, manufacturers reps out there on the on the putting green versus the uh, PGA Tour, and you know we understand that. But we're just, you know, we're always happy to see new new product. And you know, I was searching for anything at that time as poorly as I was putting. Um, so they described their philosophy and what the putter did, and um, you know, so I kind of went with it. And uh, as I mentioned in my uh, email or text back to you, you know, I just needed a bigger hole to put to at the time. 
I've I've since honestly kind of really found out what what ailed me for a long, long time. I didn't I didn't putt well for certainly a, an extended period of time. If I looked at my stats on Champions Tour, and they're not as as in depth and detailed as regular tour, uh, I had a few good years in the early fifties, and then you know really went in the tank. So uh, when you're kind of on the back end of uh, those stats, meaning maybe not last, but not far from last, uh, you're you're uh, you can't hit it good enough to overcome that in any way, shape, or form. You kind of had a, a short stint with it, right? It was kind of a one yeah. and run. You didn't have much of a long run with, run with it. No, and it was. <laughs> if I'm telling you the truth, I think it was so bad that I was trying it and then also trying to close my eyes when I was putting the short one. So, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the old noggin at that point. Back to Han, who was grinding in and outside of the ropes. We knew we were going to lose money for the first year or two and um, just doing our best not to lose too much. Um, I think I was working for free at that point. Maybe I had a small salary because I still had my bar. I own a bar here in Eugene. Um, and without without that bar, I wouldn't have been able to do this because I was still feeding my family with the bar. And um, and so, yeah, we're just moseying along. I'm learning a little bit about production and manufacturing and all that, even though that, that, that kind of wasn't really supposed to be my my side of it. Bill was going to be doing a lot of that, but he was busy building the putters. Um, and uh, so we both kind of had to work together to figure out how to take the the manufacturing up a notch and, and all that. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out and going along and going along. Um, I'm hitting tour events, um, doing my best to get out there. Um, and then it was getting close to the end of 2018, um, and we didn't know what the threshold was on uses. And I also didn't realize at the time that the champions tour applied. So Jeff had actually probably already gotten us in to get a credential the following year. Um, but I was really worried. So, um, getting towards the end of the season, 2018, I end up at the Barracuda, um, in Reno and uh lucky break number three. Um, one of the things about being a rep as an owner that makes it different than, just being a rep as, you know, a guy who didn't get his tour card and is taking his second best option, um, is that I don't clock out at five. Um, and I was, you know, the, for the few years that I was out there, I was the first one there every morning and the last one to leave every night. And, um, and that was always when it happened for us. That was the only time I ever got interest because the putters are ridiculous looking like tour players are no different than you or I, like they don't want to get made fun of. They don't want to think that they're using a crutch. They don't want any of that shit. Um, and so it was, you know, usually either real early in the morning or real late at night that I would get guys to be even slightly interested. Meet Vaughn Taylor. He's 47, turned pro in 1999. He has three PGA Tour wins, his last being the 2016 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, where he held off Phil Mickelson. Spinning forward to August of 2018, Taylor was coming off a 74-75 miscut at the RBC Canadian Open. I got kind of an interesting story. Um, I had never seen it before. I was out in uh, Barracuda struggling to keep my card. I'm, I'm around 120 or so, 125, and I need a good week. And um, we get there, and Reno used to be like perfect bent grass the first couple of years I played there. And then I came back a few years later, and it was the hardest to putt Poana. I've ever seen. And, uh, I showed up on Monday. 
I couldn't make a three footer to save my life. And, uh, just immediately had this high anxiety about my putting that week and, um, was using an old faithful putter, you know, felt like I was putting good, but just immediate, I've never felt that before. And Monday, this is Monday. I'm feeling like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen this week. And, uh, Tuesday putted all day long, just grind and grind and grind on the putting green and still felt the same way leaving that day. And, um, Decided to take a last-minute trip down to the end of the range by myself. I was like, I'm going to go down there, work, do whatever. And um, it was kind of late. It was almost dark. And I'm like, there was no shuttles coming back to the clubhouse. So I was like, you know what? I'll just walk. It's fine. Kind of took a little different path to the clubhouse. Came up by kind of the backside of the putting green. And nobody's there but Sam. And uh, he's got this bag of putters. And I kind of turned the corner. And, you know, I look at the bag and the putters and I'm like, what is this? You know, I'm like, these, these things look like, you know, space shuttles. Back to Sam Hahn. I'm there late at night. Sun's going down and uh, Vaughn Taylor comes up on the green. Um, and Vaughn is somebody I respected deeply. I love the dude and loved his putting stroke. Always have. Um, and he's messing around with his Seymour, that same Seymour that, you know, he was so successful with early in his career, made a Ryder Cup team with that Seymour putter. Um, and then, you know, while he's putting, I pull up the phone, I start looking at his stats and putting stats are bad. Um, and he'd been putting real, real bad. And then I look up and I see him putting and the dudes just can't make anything. And he's struggling. And uh, and then he, uh, it, it's just me and him on this putting green. And I go up to him and i think i think i use the magic trick line um and uh he takes a look and he's such a sweet guy you know like i don't know if you met him at all but i mean just kind as can be and easy going and lovely dude um so even if he wasn't interested he was the type of personality that he was going to make a few strokes with it um and he did and they went in and then uh and then he rolled a few more and they went in and then he kind of laid a few balls down on this kind of short right to left bugaboo for him at the time um and they started going in and then we really get talking and he asked me to show him the revealer again and we end up spending you know 45 minutes an hour on the putting green just talking putting talking about the tech he's putting all over the green and he's making them finally and posture's getting taller and everything's just looking better you know and he's got he's got hope Sam was just super friendly, you know, chill. He's like, Hey man, you want to check out a putter? And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, I'm like, why not? <laughs> and, uh, and so he, he looks at my putter, he grabs one. He thinks it's going to match. I drop a couple balls, like 10 feet, make, make, make. And I'm like, wow, this is uh really interesting. And, uh, I putted with him for probably 20 minutes. And I mean, I made nine out of 10 just from everywhere. I mean, I, we went all around different breaking putts. Couldn't miss. And I'm like, I was just in shock. And I'm like, this head is huge. The grips, you know, the Bill Pressy, like forward press in the grip. And it was way bigger round, different shape, you know, just everything different. And I'm like, what's going on? And But I noticed, you know, the, the ball was rolling just like, I've never seen on Poana. Like it was just hugging the ground. And um I just couldn't deny that. And I was like, wow, I'm gonna use this tomorrow in the Pro Am and just see what happens. 
And so I told my caddy, I come out the next day and I'm like, all right, dude, listen, I got this big, crazy putter. I'm going to use it today. Let's just see what happens. He's like, okay. It was Mike Hicks, by the way. And Mike's like, sure, man, let's, let's give it a shot. And I think I made eight out of nine putts on the nine holes or something. <laughs> it's like made everything. And he's like, we got to put it in. I'm like, we got to put it in. And, um, and so all week long, I just filled it up, was making putts, wasn't playing that great, but I just kept making putts, hanging in there. And, uh, I think it was in the top 10 heading into Sunday and, you know, had no idea what was going to happen. And, um, same thing, just, just rolling it good, making putts. And I think I finished ninth or something, finished top 10, kind of locked up my card. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, just one of those bizarre, you know, happenstance meetings and, you know, just rolled it like a champ. And, uh, Sam was out there all week. He was cheering me on and, um, just one of those feel good weeks, you know, and how things come together like that. Vaughn was kind of our first kind of big deal player that used it. He used it for a while. I think he used it probably for close to a year. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then we were, then we were kind of off to the races there on tour. We got our credential back and, um, and, you know, we're able to get a little bit more aggressive and ever so slightly more validated. Cause it's, it's crazy when you get out there, like the difference, like, like who's using it makes such a big difference you know and vaughn was a deeply respected putter you know like all those guys if vaughn's using it like this is not a gimmick this is not a silly thing here's a very deliberate guy that's used the same putter for 15 years so if he's switching there's got to be something to it so how does adam get to it lucky break number four we covered how slater got the original directed force into his bag and at the 2019 at&t pebble beach pro-am he was paired with adam scott slater as an early adopter, became an authentic ambassador and influencer. I've just spoken about the club to anyone and anyone who wants to listen. And generally, I'll just play with people and they'll see me roll the ball and it just rolls so pure off the club that they can't help but ask about it. And, you know, to get to the point with Adam, that's that's how it happened with Adam. I was playing with him. Uh, we were paired in the same group at Pebble for three days. And at the end of the third day, he goes, man, you got to just show me that club you got to just show me like what how it works for you and go on the putting green and just just tell me because he goes the ball is just rolling so pure off your club and i was making all sorts of putts i didn't strike the ball very well and i wasn't scoring great but i was making putts i, I think i had around a spyglass i had around a spyglass i think i had 22 putts and um granted i missed a couple greens real close you know so i was putting from off the green and they're not counted as a putt so maybe it's like 27 28 putts um from the ones included off the green but point being that i just get so confident with the thing and i just start when i'm on i just start making everything and i did the same thing at tahoe i played that tournament up there and i didn't score very well i was really nervous and not striking the ball well and missing lots of greens but man i made everything on those greens and um uh yeah i just people just I play with friends and they see the ball roll off the club and they want to try it. It's just that simple. Here's where we're stopping down again, just before we get into lucky break number four, in which Adam Scott becomes a believer in and a user of lab golf. There's a fair bit of stuff going on uh, with the lab from the grip to the head, <laughs> other angles in between. 
and um, being so non-traditional, it raised his eyebrows uh, for sure. But I just, I just had this sense like this, you know, if you can embrace what this putter does and stay out of your own way, the results could come. And I just had this feeling and I said it to Sam, although it didn't pan out, but like this was the putter that can win around Augusta. Another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Live Nation presents Concert Week now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.